Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave, underscore SEC. And hey, I was going to bring you an episode anyway, as we got to hear from some players this past weekend for the first time this spring, just like we got to hear from Billy Napier. So... Austin Barber, Jason Marshall, you get to hear from those guys as they spoke to the media on Saturday to kick off spring practice. But also, Gators making a coaching hire. We knew the openings that the Gators had coming into spring practice. Tight end coach and wide receiver coach and the Gators find their man. They're going to elevate Russ Callaway from the staff as now the tight end coach for the Gators. We'll get into his resume, what he brings to the table already on staff. Uh, Billy Napier brought him in last year uh, on his first staff, so – Elevation, uh, and look, it can make some sense when you go through the uh, resume here and, and what he's done uh, in his short, young coaching career. Uh, kind of a theme going here with Billy Napier and his coaching hires, very young coaching hires. Is that going to pay off? <laughs> a lot of experience in the SEC, a lot of, uh, you know, of course, you know, two of the best coaching staffs, if not the two best coaching staffs in the country, reside in the SEC. And Billy Napier going the the youth route uh, in some of these spots here. So we'll see. I like the hire uh, of Russ Callaway. We'll get into it just a bit here. Offensive background, defensive background too. Uh, when you when you look at Callaway, but we'll get into his resume. And as I said, hear from Austin Barber, Jason Marshall. Talk about. We'll, we'll discuss a little bit about the offensive line and the uh, defensive backfield. And all that good stuff right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Everybody hit that like button. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. You got us to 11,000 last week. Let's keep it rolling. And, of course, Gators Breakdown Plus. Uh, it was it was hopping today on that Discord server with uh, all the coaching news uh, coming out and um, maybe a little bit uh, close to a wide receiver coach hire as well. That's been talked about uh, on Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. We'll get into it right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown as well. All right, so let's get to it. Russ Calloway hired as the tight end coach for the Gators at age 35, as I mentioned. Very, very young coach right here. And hey, look, in, in that time, a, a pretty extensive resume. Calloway joined the Gators last year, 2022, after spending the 2021 season with the New York Giants. So already there in the NFL as well as a young offensive assistant. Uh, and he had the he was on the 2020 LSU team that 2020 LSU team that came into the swamp broke all hearts right there in the fog bowl <laughs> as uh, Florida suffers their second loss of 2020 it was a year after LSU had won the national championship of course a disappointing 2020 but end up getting that win versus Florida he was Callaway was on that LSU staff uh, that came in here into the swamp and upset Florida uh, he fence he's Callaway spent five seasons at Sanford. Before that, where he served uh, as the Bulldogs offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from 2017 to 19, 
and the wide receivers coach from 2015 to 16. So tight end coach here, uh, but an offensive coordinator at the FCS level, a quarterbacks coach at the FCS level, and a wide receivers coach at the FCS level, an offensive assistant uh, going to the NFL and in and in the SEC uh, at LSU. So a lot of experience here in his 35 years of age. Uh, and Callaway, at his time in at Samford, mentored record-setting quarterback Delvin Hodges in 2018. Hodges earned the Walter Payton Award for the top offensive player in all of SES, FCS football. That's their Heisman Trophy. Uh, that season, Hodges set a school record for 4,283 yards for his career to three-time SoCon Offensive Player of the Year and All-American passed for an FCS record 14,584 yards, breaking the old record set by one Steve McNair. So one of the most decorated players ever in the at the FCS level, Devlin Hodges, coached by Russ Calloway. Uh, as a unit in 2018, Sanford's offense led the nation in passing yards per game with 392.7. Uh, that offense ranked fourth nationally in total offense at 515.9 yards per game, eighth in both red zone offense and in first downs. Uh, the team's 2017 offense led the SOCON and ranked fifth in the country in passing yards per game. At, um, and in 2016, Callaway's offense ranked third among all FCS schools in passing offense, averaging 349.4 yards passing per game. Offense also ranked sixth in the nation in red zone offense, 11th in team passing efficiency, 12th in scoring offense, and 12th or in 14th in total offense. All that in 2017. Prior to Sanford, Callaway spent two seasons at Murray State, where he worked with the wide receivers, while also serving as a recruiting coordinator. Uh, Callaway joined the Racers after winning back-to-back BCS National Championships as a defensive analyst on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama. In his role at Alabama, Callaway assisted defensive coordinator Kirby Smart with the inside linebackers. Played collegiately at Valdosta State. There's that kind of connection there to Kirby. Uh, I mean, just the Valdosta State, just in general. Um, two-time captain there at Valdosta State. So, as I mentioned on the last episode, kind of going through these coaching hires, or you know, last week sometime is you know, this little coaching circle of Billy Napier. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and here's another one. Uh, Callaway's really highly thought of for his offensive mind. Um, Billy Napier brought him on staff, going to raise him up to t- the tight end coach here. A lot of you know, a lot of offensive background, successful offensive background, albeit at the FCS level. We'll see if it can translate. See if he can help uh, this offense. And now at the tight end role, has some work with wide receivers throughout his career, uh, but also on the defensive side of the ball as well. So all around. And all around, just coach, you know, on both sides of the ball here is Callaway on the offensive side and the defensive side. You know, grabbing him from the NFL ranks as well before, you know, that's where, that's where Billy Napier grabbed him from, was from the NFL ranks in the 2021 season with the New York Giants. So, uh, extensive young career here for Russ Callaway. I, I like it better than the Pigler hire, uh, given his background here, a little bit of background. Uh, and familiarity with uh, Billy Napier, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. Um, six, very successful in a, you know, as I said, FCS level. We'll see how it translates, but very successful in calling plays and leading that offense for there for Samford uh, for a few years. So a lot to like about this hire, you know, more on the younger side. So we'll see where youth maybe 
maybe helps me to help on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think it, I think it can help there. That's probably the biggest question for Russ Callaway is what type of recruiter can he be here for Florida at the tight end position? Certainly, um, Florida was a hot and heavy recruiting tight end. So uh, the, the last couple of cycles brought in some numbers, not really high profile. I think uh, eventually Florida was going to get there at, at recruiting the tight end position. So we'll see where Russ Callaway steps in and maybe can improve uh, in, in that regard. But you know, part of it was strategy uh, the last couple of cycles as well uh, of not going you know too heavy uh, after tight ends for the Gators. So, so what he brings to the table, uh, I say I, I pretty much uh, I think I like given his background, I like it better than the Pigler hire uh, here, and a bit of of that coaching circle here with Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and. It's uh, become a theme <laughs> here for Billy Napier uh, in hiring within that circle. So there you go. Tight end hire, tight end coach hire, Russ Callaway announced today. Not officially, but it's going to happen. Right here, age 35, tight end coach for the Gators. So, of course, one more opening is left. And I did tell you on the previous episode of Gators Breakdown about the wide receiver coach hire. I gave you the list of Joe Daly, Taylor Stubblefield, Tony Sorrentino, Joe Falani, Billy Gonzalez. I hear you, Dallas Baker. Throw one more in the mix uh, that kind of it, it pinged on my radar over the weekend. But uh, spent, my parents were in town, so spent some time with them on, on Saturday. But started hearing out hot and heavy more uh, on Sunday. And that's wide receiver coach Phil McGagan. And we'll see where, where that one goes. His name, he was on campus this past weekend, uh, has definitely interviewed for the job. We'll see uh, where that one goes. Throw his name into that mix as well. Seems to be the trending name uh, here on this late Monday, um, not late Monday evening, but early evening right here on this, on this Monday. So we'll see where that one goes. A lot of experience there uh, from him last year coaching at Colorado Extensive NFL resume. We'll get into it if, if he's the hire uh, there for Phil McGagan. A name to watch out for, for the wide receiver coaching hire. All right, here we go. Time to get into a little bit more of spring football. Of course, Gators on the field Saturday for the first time. We get to hear from a couple players for the first time. Austin Barber, Jason Marshall, two starters right here. Austin Barber going to fill in. Left tackle right here for the Gators, getting his first crack at being the known starter. Uh, let's hear from him on that scenario uh, of him. Where is he going to fit in? Left tackle, right tackle? That was a little bit of a question. Here's a barber addressing. Here's Barber addressing that. You know, I'm taking first team reps at left tackle right now. And, you know, I think that's where I might stay. But who, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, just right now, that's what I'm running at first practice, and I'm excited for it. You know, I came in as a freshman as a left tackle, and you know, I played both last year. So, you know, just to see me playing on the side I came in is pretty cool. But I can't can't decide if they're going to move me around or not. So, you know, I'm just going to let them decide. You were in freshman All America honors, I think, in one publication, but I mean, that would say it was a surprise season for you. You started. How do you build upon that, or what? What are kind of your what was kind of like the last few months like leading into? You know, just going back and watching every single game and every single like clip of how I played and what I can fix day in and day out. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I watched. Like, even in season, I was like, "Dang, I need to fix." And like, looking back after giving some myself some time and myself like just time to reflect on the season, how like you know it went great. But there's a lot of things I can fix in like 
in my in my game to where I want to be. You know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to be like one of the greats around here, and that I can't do that if I'm playing at the same level I did last year. Is there some excitement or eagerness to be penciled in at left tackle? Is the spot you have played most of your life? I assume. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, um, it's awesome to know like protecting the blind side. It's just I feel like that's just the most like you know, the best position offensive line in my opinion. You know. I don't touch the ball like the center, but either I think I protect the quarterback a lot more, and it's just it's, it's an honor to be at a left tackle here at the University of Florida. Does it make it a little bit easier than having to switch left and right in game like that to be able to maybe solidify yourself at one spot? I mean, I think it will, but I think the diversity of me playing both sides is just they like, just puts me in a better position for like I mean maybe the next level or whatever, and I, it shows I can play both sides, and you know, but I'm happy to be solidified at one spot. There we go. Hearing from Austin Barber. And look, there was a little bit of question coming into spring practice. You heard us talk about it last week and throughout the last few weeks or a month since the season ended of, you know, where he would, where would he line up? Left tackle, right tackle. But, you know, given his experience last year and really good experience uh, coming in, uh, we didn't know we were going to get that at Austin Barber. But, you know, playing both tackle spots last year just made more sense to take over at that quarterback's blind side uh, on the left side here. So, Showed a lot of value, a lot of worth being ba- being able to play both sides of the tackle positions last year. I love the mindset of you know not being happy of of and, and not settling for being successful last year. Go out there and get better. That's what Austin Barber wants to do. Um, and look, there's a now there's now a lot more responsibility on his shoulders of being the guy in spring camp and fall camp. So, you know, hopefully he does get to take a lot of those reps at left tackle so he can concentrate more on that role. Uh, and we see that jump uh, that he's talking about himself making coming up. So it took most of his, took most of his reps on the right side last year. Of course, Michael Tarkin goes down versus Kentucky and here comes Austin Barber. And I mean, it was a pleasant surprise there uh, along that offensive line, not really a drop off or maybe even an upgrade in some ways. Uh, Michael Tarkin ends up transferring out. Uh, so, and then, you know, of course, throughout the season toward, toward, toward the end of the season, he's there rotating with Richard garage on the left, on the left side. And I think the staff knew, Hey, look, this is our future left tackle. Let's go out there and get him some reps. You know, there was really nothing wrong with Richard Garage at that time, but you know, the season toward the end of the season kind of lost in, in some respects. Go out there and start building for the next season. So you start seeing Austin Barber rotating with Richard Garage a little bit on the left side. So certainly needed all those reps he got last year. Uh, after those surprising departures of Michael Tarquin, Ethan White. So look, he's now one of the more kind of crazy after playing so much last year. He's one of the more experienced offensive linemen because Tarquin left, White left, and now it's just Barber and Aguacan. Uh, so that experience, hey, look, that'll go a long way in helping these incoming transfers get acquainted in this offense. They all look good. You know, they're just they're trying to learn everything. They're, they're new guys, just like how I was when I first got here with this staff. And, you know, they're, they're going through what I went through, and I feel like they're putting, putting the work in every single day, even before spring ball. So, you know, everyone looks great, and I'm excited for what, what's to come. You know, every single transfer we got in, you know, from offense and defense, they, they've came in, and, you know, I have great relationships with a bunch of these guys. And, you know, it's just – I think – I think that they're trying to learn the ropes around here because they went from somewhere else, but I think they're fitting in just well and they're learning it quick. How much of a timing or rhythm element is there to you know, the new faces on the offensive line? How does that get developed over time, you think? I think it's just you know meetings and stuff like that. Every I mean, since they got here, I've seen them every single day, and I feel like 
you gotta have a, like a conversation with them. You know what I mean? You can't just like, oh, they're the new guys. You can't talk to them. I'm trying to like bring them all in. You know, like try to help them buy in because we need them. I mean, we lost a few guys, but we, I need we need them to uh, step up and you know play with us for this next season. Hey, look, this offensive line it, it's segmented. You know, the left certainly looks to be solidified already. Um, from left tackle to center, you got Barber, Mike Mazuka, Kingsley Aguakin. Uh, and dude, as a reminder uh, for Mazuka, I mean, yeah, he's a new face on this, but 880, 80, wait, 898 snaps throughout his career. Man, a starting role for 10 games as a third year sophomore last year, allowed just one sack, 14 quarterback pressures in that stretch. Had a run blocking grade of 76.9 out of 100. First teamer on pro football focus. So look, I mean, you plug and play. So the left side solidified. No matter if he's a transfer or not, you got your left tackle, you got your left guard, you got your center. As we discussed last week with Will and, and Nick right here, previewing spring football, transfers will be in the mix on the right side. And transfers, Damian George from Alabama, Keontae Goodwin from Kentucky come in. They're going to compete on that right side with Richard Leonard, Jalen Farmer, Jake Slaughter. You know, I, and I bring him up. He might make a push at center. Uh, from I don't think he'll surpass Kingsley, but there's a lot of um, talk behind the scenes of Jake Slaughter coming on. So you know, if he's going to push and maybe get on the field, maybe they're on the right side if it opens up that way this spring. You know, we'll see how that goes. They may just want to stick him right there at center and see what he can do. But maybe somebody I know the staff is high on. If they're that high, maybe they try and get him some playing time on the right side as well. Then, you know, if he can't get in over Kingsley, get into that competition on the right side. But the biggest questions of, you know, where would George line up? That's one of the biggest questions as he played both guard and tackle at Alabama. And also at the same time, how fast can Goodwin get in shape and compete? for the right tackle spot. He's going to be competing there this spring, but will he be in shape to, to make an impact, to go defend all the other suitors that are going to be competing with him at right tackle? You know, we don't have those answers just yet. Probably will try and you know, gleam a little bit more in these next couple of practice. Where's George lining up? That might give us a hint. but also just how fast Goodwin can get out there. But, of course, the, this, this group should be able to lean on Barber, Kingsley, Leonard, Farmer for how to approach fitting into this offense and that having two offensive line coaches as well should pay dividends on, on figuring that right side out. I mean, there, there's plenty of guys who maybe didn't get a lot of playing time last year, but they went through the process. They went through spring practice. They went through fall camp. They know the expectations of this coaching staff. It's not like last year where everybody's new. Now these incoming transfers can lean on guys who got experience last year. Should help the transition go just a bit faster. And, of course, when you talk to an offensive lineman, of course, he's going to get asked about quarterbacks. Austin Barber was asked about quarterback Graham Mertz. He brings up Jack Miller on his own. You know, Grant Mertz puts puts a lot of work, and he's in this building every single, like, 24 hours. Like, I never see him leave. When I leave, his car's still here. When I get here, his car's here. So it's just, you know, I'm happy he's putting the work in. And, you know, actually me and him have been hanging out on the outside some, just trying to get to know him. And he's a cool guy, great person, you know. And uh, I'm excited for uh, him. And I'm excited for Jack Miller, too, you know. He 
you saw how he, he came in and played in the in the bowl game, you know, just his first start, you know what I mean? But he looks good. He's He's been putting the work in just as much, and I'm excited for this uh, competition for them to, between them two. There you go, competition. You want this to be a competition in some ways. You want, be, you want these guys to be able to push each other, make the best man win, and we'll see what the competition means for the winner. You know, is it just a battle of two mediocre quarterbacks, or is it a battle of whoever wins the job is going to go out there and play good for the Gators coming up this fall? We can think we had the answer to that. <laughs> I certainly think I would, I, I would, but you never know. You never know what can go out there uh, and take place this fall. But Barber was strictly asked about Mertz fitting in, uh, but he did make sure to throw in Jack Miller as well to kind of you know throw in this as a competition. And those comments, those statements about Mertz are are nice to hear, you know. He, but that should be expected for a quarterback coming in and being behind, as far as experience goes. Jack Miller in this offense last year, you know, you would hope to hear Mertz is basically not wanting to leave the building. You keep hearing Mertz being really involved in the in the catching up process and getting to know his teammates. Hear really good returns on that. That's going to be step number one, right? We'll see. What, hopefully, everything on the field kind of follows that same path. But step one is, you know, before you get out there in spring practice, get acclimated with your teammates, get acclimated with the playbook, and it looks like he's taking care of the basically being in the facility all the time. If you take Austin Barber for his word, right there. So good stuff there from Austin Barber getting us insight on the offensive line and a little bit on the quarterback. I wonder what we get to hear from the quarterbacks. Uh, this week, of course, though, this is the only time we get to hear from assistant coaches, you know, Billy Napier's protocol here. Uh, we get to hear from them during spring practice. We get to hear from players, you know, spring practice and fall camp, but we don't get to hear from the assistant coaches when fall starts. So this is the only time we get to hear from him this week. We'll get to hear from Jabbar Jaluk and, and Rob Sell, I believe. And then on Saturday, when Billy Napier speaks again, uh, Austin Armstrong uh, is supposed to be speaking to the media on Saturday. So we get to hear from assistant coaches um, for the only time <laughs> uh, in front of the media. Now coming up uh, in the next few weeks, but Jabbar Jaluk, Rob Sell, and Austin Armstrong coming up. One more player we get to hear from before we call it an episode right here, Jason Marshall. Man, hard to believe he's in his third season. Uh, he goes in detail about the coaching change, the defensive coordinator change, and one Corey Raymond taking over the secondary. I felt real comfortable, uh, you know, uh, just being together with everybody, you know. Uh, like you said, I've been here. This is my third year, so... Um, just bringing everybody along, really. Has Coach Armstrong met with the defense as a unit yet? And if so, what kind of expectations has he set? He came in, you know, excited. Uh, and I'm ready to see what the defense does this year. Um, and like I said, he came in really excited. And, and Coach talks about you, you know, taking on more of a leadership role. How important is that going to be, considering, you know, some of the guys that were lost, like Ventra and so forth, that, that for you to step in and, and do that kind of thing? Being more vocal, uh, like you said, I'm going to be one of the veteran guys. So just being more vocal to not only the young guys, but some of the other veteran guys, you know, they may be in the wrong spot, got to get them right. So just learning the whole entire defense and be able to, um, you know, execute at a high level. 
How did you know about Coach Armstrong when, when Florida hired him? Say it again? What did you know about Coach Armstrong uh, when you first heard that he was going to be the new DC? Not not much, really. Not much. Did you Google him, or what did you do to try and get a little insight? Um... I mean, when he first got here, that's that was the first time, you know, that I met him or anything like that. Um, and like I said, he, he's a guy that comes with high expectations and high energy, so. Is it important that he's coming in here already knowing kind of the language you guys speak as opposed to a new DC and having to change it up again? Yes, it's, that's actually very important, you know, um, and we don't have to, you know, go through a whole nother uh, DC or play calling. Um, so everybody, you know, Still, it's very fluent, really. How much is supposed to be? That's okay. You talk about familiarity. How much being in year two, that familiarity with everything going on, from from how you practice and everything. How much does that really help you guys who've been around here going into year two? It helps a lot. You know everything that's going on. Coach Armstrong's supposed to be a little bit more aggressive. Are you sensing that already? Has he conveyed that to you that his his intention to be a little more aggressive with the defense? Yeah, and I like that. I like that um, for him to be more aggressive. He's a little, he's a southern guy too. Is that mm -hmm. is there a little differences between him and PT and Iowa? Um, just his energy and you know when he steps in, he high high energy. So I feel like that pretty much separate him. Um, but you know they're still somewhat similar. When you say he's more aggressive, aggressive in scheme, and he, did you even see that in the first practice or what? what aggressive in scheme for yeah. sure. Aggressive in scheme for sure. You, you mentioned the excitement a couple of different times. What does that look like? Is he like yelling? Is he bouncing off the walls? What's he doing? Yeah, bouncing off the walls. You can see him running from this sideline to the other sideline. Um, he's just very hype, very hype. How much can having Coach Raymond there working with the entire secondary, how much do you think that can really you know, help the entire uh, just his knowledge, you know, he can spread his knowledge to everybody, not only myself, Devin, or in the cornerback's room, but the safeties as well. And, and you know, we all going to be on the field together, so why not have one coach to, you know, uh, put in the knowledge and we all learn from him. There we go. Hearing from Jason Marshall, as I said, man, it's hard to believe he's been around three years. <laughs> so I uh, had a hard time adjusting last season, especially with a lot of the zone coverage schemes. Uh, Patrick Tony was throwing out there and look, had just over three targets per game against him. You know, however, however, you know, those opportunities made opposing passers a little more hesitant to, to look his ways. He accounted for eight pass breakups, one interception, no touchdowns allowed on 56.3% completion percentage on him. Uh, last five games played better, uh, allowed nine receptions on 20 targets, broke up five passes. Uh, look, but in his third season, he had that high stature coming in. Time to step it up a bit. Time to step it up as a leader, you heard him say, and step it up as a player. You know, he's going to be counted on uh, to be that number one cornerback for Florida and a leader uh, with three years under his belt. That's the way it should be. As many reps as he's taken, dating back to playing as a true freshman, it's time you know, for him to, to become a leader. And look, hopefully you heard him say all the aggressiveness uh, going along with the new defensive coordinator change and, and going from Patrick Tony to Austin Armstrong, Coy Raymond taking over the secondary. You know, hopefully that has Jason Marshall taking that next step. Um, the, the, a new look in the same defense with Austin Armstrong taking over. Uh, his aggressive style fits Jason Marshall's ability a bit better. Raymond gives that one voice to the entire entire secondary and you know, this aggressive style to me suits Corey Raymond a bit more as well uh, in far as far as a defensive coordinator and a, and a secondary coach getting together and really communicating and really coming up with a game plan 
think it suits Corey Raymond just a bit better as well. So hopefully, you know, those two avenues together, Armstrong and his aggressiveness and Corey Raymond taking over that secondary, hopefully leads to some improvement for Jason Marshall and, and of course, the entire secondary. But Marshall going to be counted on big time, big time to step up with his experience, his recruiting profile, time to live up to that, you know, what was it, five-star status there for Jason Marshall. And since we spoke about Corey Raymond, with all this change and all the spots back there on that defensive backfield, just one of the more intriguing storylines this spring for the Gators. I expect big-time battle. We talked about it last week. Devin Moore, Jaden Hill for that cornerback two spot. I mean, does Jalen Kimber or Jakeem Jackson as a true freshman this spring as an early enrollee, does the, do they push for more time for Florida? You know, they have – with those two – could probably get to a spot where they feel pretty good about rotating cornerbacks. Yeah, you know, we can likely, we'll say likely here, right in Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell at safety. Lajadarius Perkins may get that first crack at the nickel spot now, given his experience there. But looking at safety, looking at nickel, not a lot of depth. Does that open the door for another early enrollee like Sharif Denson? I mean, look, spring practice, this is the time for early enrollees, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen to make their mark. Guys who also are looking to break through, to break out. I mean, this that's what spring is for uh, a lot of the time. So we're going to hear a lot of young guys just because there's not a lot of depth in some areas. Safety and Nichols, one of them. Does that open the door for somebody like Sharif Denson to come in as an early enrollee and make his mark? I mean, he played all over the secondary at Barton Trail in high school. To uh, He was lining up at nickel, corner, safety. Teams tried to throw away from him. He'd be all over the place so he could get more get, get in more on the action. Not a lot of proven depth at safety or nickel, so the opportunity is there for a true freshman to come in and make an impact, especially one like Denson with his versatility, his physicality. I mean, if he lives up to... His reputation in high school is not afraid to tackle, is not afraid to hit. I think that could be something the staff will look at and point to that could get him on the field earlier. He'll be competing with Dakota Mitchell at that spot, you know, giving Florida some competition at that nickel spot. But there's not much experience to point to. You got Jadarius Perkins there, and it's wide open, much like edge rusher, as we talked about. Antoine Powell Ryland, and then you got now Scooby Williams holding in there, Jack Pyburn. I mean, Nichols kind of the same way. You got somebody you probably peg as a starter, but behind them, it is open season for competition. So I mean that's what that's what springs for, right? Hopefully we can get to a point where we feel better about knowing what's ahead, but I expect that to go all the way into fall all the way up to that first game. So with the new defensive coordinator and now the new responsibility for Corey Raymond taking over that whole secondary room, how that affects all these competitions should be a fun watch. Really should be. All right, there we go. For another episode of Gators Breakdown, everybody. Thank you so much for hopping in here. A no kind of spur of the moment episode. 
But this is how we do spring practice around here. And of course, the coaching change kind of sped this one up a bit. Wanted to get it out there with Russ Calloway being named a tight end coach. But I believe on Tuesday, if I remember, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head right here as we record. I do think it is Rob Sell who's going to be the coach that speaks. And then we'll, we'll find out who the players are um, at that same press conference. They don't, they don't give us the players ahead of time of who's, who's going to be speaking uh, when they send out the media alert for the press conferences. So be on the lookout for some offensive line talk. We just had a little bit right here in this episode with Austin Barber, but even more so from the coaching staff. And I believe, as I said, Rob Sell. So we'll see when the wide receiver coach announcement is made. I guess I'd call for another episode. If it's tonight, I see Muddy Waters saying the hire, maybe the hire may happen tonight. We'll see if it gets leaked out, if it's announced. Florida hits the field for the second time this spring on Tuesday. I would think you'd like to, you know, Billy Napier says he's not going to rush the hire. They've already missed one practice. Perhaps you'd like to have him for the second one coming up on Tuesday. All right, everybody, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And I'll catch you on the next episode.